Amen. And our prayer should be that Christ is magnified in our lives. That we surrender ourselves to him totally. They didn't trust me to cut it on this morning, so they cut it on themselves. <laughs> you know, we've been talking about, last Sunday we talked a lot about surrender. That we surrender our lives to him. Our families, everything about us, everything we are, everything we do. is surrender to him for his glory and for his honor. You know, you guys are, are, are moving into an exciting time where you're going to be hearing this God that you believe that God is sending you to be your next pastor and pastor's family. And I hope and pray that you are praying for him every day. Praying for his family. But I also hope and pray that you are praying for you as a church. That you are praying that you will be surrendered. That you will allow God's will to be accomplished in this building and in your life and outside of this church or outside of this building. Church is not the building. It's just where the church gathers. The building is where the church gathers. But you need to be surrendered as much as you want him to be surrendered. And today we're going to be looking in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at what Paul says about being totally surrendered to him. Living fully for God and not living according to the flesh. And he's talking to some people there in Rome that are about ready to give up. And they are confused and they're frustrated over some of the teachings that Paul gave as well. And so he's trying to help them understand what does it mean to walk with Christ daily. To be totally surrendered to Christ daily. What does that really mean? How do I do that in my daily life? Well, notice with me in Romans chapter 6. Starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in sin? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized into him and into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that we as Christians, excuse me, so we as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the what? The newness of life. What are you supposed to be walking in now? The newness of life. Walking with Christ. Being Christ-like. Doing what Christ would do. Talking as Christ would talk. Thinking as Christ would think. 
having a heart of Christ so that you can be pleasing to God, so that you can accomplish the will of God, so that you can, can minister to a lost and dying world and they see Christ in you as you are doing that. As we look in the world around us, we see that it is a crazy place to live today. But you know what? God is still on his throne. He's still in control. He's still in charge. And he's got everything exactly the way his will is for things to work out. Now, we don't know when we will be carried away with him. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be 100 years from now. We don't know. But he's working everything out. And he's in control, and we can trust him. Even in the craziness of this world, God can still be trusted. And we can walk with him and live according to his perfect will in our lives. As we look even within the church today, we see that there's craziness in the church today, not necessarily just in the world. And you look and you see pastors that have fallen. I mean, huge well-known, worldwide-known pastors who have fallen. And, and we see pastors that have lost their way. Paul begins to deal with that. You know, how do we walk? How do we live? How do we please God as we live our life on a daily basis? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come to you, we are so thankful for your word, for your truth. Father, for the instructions that you've given us here. Father, I pray that you will just bless us in a mighty way as we worship you and honor you and give you glory. Father, I pray that you will speak to hearts here today. And Father, that each and every one of us will hear your voice. And Father, that we will be attentive and that we will make decisions that need to be made according to your will as you Work in our midst and in our lives and in our heart and in our mind. And God, we give you the praise and honor and glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, here we see that some of the people in Rome were struggling majorly. And the Apostle Paul has been building a case for the necessity of salvation that they need to come to know Christ and they need to surrender their lives to him and live for him. Now, the Romans have been told that they are all sinners. You see, that each and every one of them are sinners, just like each and every one of us are sinners. And we have been shown that there is no one and there is not any place that in the human heart, sin doesn't dwell. And so Paul is building this case for salvation, that the only way that you can, can truly have eternal life, the only way that you can truly live for God is through salvation through Jesus Christ and him alone. You see, we have been told that we are Placing our faith in Jesus Christ, he saves us and he gives us a whole new life. He gives us power and the ability to live for him, to serve him, to walk with him, 
and to give him honor and glory in everything that we do. Now, Paul has let it be known that the human race is doomed because of Adam. Because Adam sinned, and through that bloodline, each and every one of us is part of the heritage of Adam, and each and every one of us are born as sinners. And so that's the reason Jesus Christ had to come and die to save us from our sins. You see, if, if those humans who come to Jesus for salvation are saved from that doom of death and eternal damnation, we are also given through Christ new life, a new beginning, the Holy Spirit to help us to overcome that sin and that flesh that we still battle with each and every day. You see, starting in chapter 6, Paul is going to spend the next three chapters telling us how new life is lived. But here we see that that's much needed information. You know, have you ever bought something and tried to put it together and you didn't really look at the instructions and what happens? Especially men don't look at instructions. You know, I can do this. I can put this together and they end up with 15 parts left over. They don't know where to go. You know, <laughs> you know and, and it's nothing like it's supposed to look and it doesn't work right and all of that kind of stuff. That's the way we're living the Christian life so often. You see, we're living it without looking at the instruction manual. We're living it and not looking to see what God says about how do you live your Christian life? What do you do on a daily basis? How do you be what God has called you to be? You see, all the signs point to the fact that many people claim to have a new life, but they do not seem to know how to live that new life. They don't know how to walk with Christ on a daily basis. And in this section of Scripture, we are given detailed instructions on how to live that new life. And he continues on telling us how to do that. But this is the jest here in chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Paul begins his treatment of the subject of the New life that we have in the first four verses of chapter 6. You see, in this passage, we are given our first set of instructions. How to begin this walk. Because if you don't begin the walk right to start with, you're not going to end up right at the end. It's sort of like the instruction manual. If you don't start doing it right and do it step one, step two, step three, step four, you're going to end up at step five, and it's not going to be right. And that's the way it is with our walking with Christ on a daily basis. For dead men to live, there are, some three, there are three realities that we must know. For dead men who have become alive in Christ, there's things that we must understand. Number one, we must accept the reality of our death. We must accept the reality that the flesh, the old self, has died and we have become new people in Christ. And we must understand that and accept that. Notice with me in verses 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? We are to continue in sin so that grace may increase. 
You know, the, the Romans are saying, listen, you know, if, if God pours more grace out for us as we sin and he forgives us, then shouldn't we just sin more so there'd be more grace? More grace may abound. And Paul says in verse 2, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? If I have died to sin, how in the world should I be still living in sin? In verse 1, as this, as in the usual manner, Paul understood that people were going to come back with all kind of arguments against what the Word of God says. And so he begins to answer them up front. And he begins to tell them what they are supposed to be doing. You see, the argument is based upon Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Now, it says, The law came in so that the transgressions would increase, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. Now, understand something here. What Paul is saying in verse 20 is that the law was given to mankind so that mankind could see how sinful they really were. So as you look at the law, you see how you have transgressed the law. You see how you have fallen short. You see how sinful you really are. The law was not given for any other reason other than for us to look at the law like a mirror and see all the sin in our life and all the things that are wrong and how we need Christ and how we need grace. But the Romans were taking that, well, if grace increases, the more I sin, then Maybe I should send more and there would be more grace. You see, as we look at that, in that passage, we are told that in the presence of God, we need to understand that God's grace has given us the ability to be in that presence. It is not sin. Sin puts a blight on our lives. On our life and our salvation, it puts a blight there. And, and so only the grace of God can take that away. You see, the analogy here of the sinner being crushed up under a great weight of sin, but Jesus comes in and he takes the sinner out from up under that great weight, that great pile of sin, and he puts him on top of that. And so now he is not being crushed by the sin that's in his life, but he is victorious standing on top of that sin, and that's where we need to stay and quit allowing sin to put us back up underneath it. You see, the argument in verse 1 says, well, if grace comes as the result of sin, then shouldn't I sin more so that I could have more grace? You see, this is the philosophy of a lot of people who, live in, who are in the church today, who live and say that they are Christians. And, and, and they live in such a way that they think, well, you know, all I've got to do is ask God to forgive me, and he'll forgive me. But folks, Paul is saying it doesn't work like that. Yes, God will forgive you. And as believers... 
God forgives us, and he, when he died, he, he paid for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. But there's a problem with that. If that's your theory, if that's the way you look at salvation, then there's one or two things wrong. Number one, you've never been saved. You're just playing games. You may have been baptized, and you maybe even have joined a church, but you really don't have a relationship with God. Or number two, you really don't care what your life says about Jesus to a world that's looking. You know, you're living your life in such a way that when people look at you, they say, and he's a Christian or she's a Christian. You see, you live in such a way that you're dragging Jesus through the mud and you don't really care about that. And there's a problem with that. There's something going on within your heart. You see, either scenario places you in danger and you are really making a mess of your salvation. You see, if you are not saved, then you are in the danger of hell. But number two, if you are saved, you stand ready to be chastised and to be judged by God. Now, not thrown into hell and judged in that way, but yet and still, God's going to do whatever it takes. You remember we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago, where a lot of people like to talk about being blessed by God, and they like to talk about the blessings of God, but they don't want to hear about the sword of God. You see, God can come into your life and begin to cut out the things in your life that don't need to be there. And that's difficult. That's, that's painful. That hurts. And we live in such a way that we're constantly being cut because God is trying to cut out the things that do not need to be in our life. You see, in verse 2, it gives an answer. Paul's answer to their argument is brief and very, very clear. May it never be. If we indeed are dead to sin, how can we now live in sin? If I've, if I've died to sin and he's rescued me from that and he's cleansed me, how can I go back and live in sin and feel good about it and be at peace with that? You see, in these verses, Paul uses death as the analogy for the Christian life. While we who are in Christ are more alive than we have ever been, at the same time, we are dead. We are dead to sin, not to Christ. We are alive to him, but we are dead to sin. And we need to understand that dynamic in our Christian life. When we are walking daily in the world in which we live, when we are dealing with people, we need to understand that we are alive to Christ. We are to follow the Spirit of God that, that is working in our life, empowering us, helping us, give us wisdom, give us the ability to live the way we're supposed to. But we are dead to sin, not yielding to the temptations that Satan puts in our path. You see, when death purchased these physical bodies, there are certain changes that came about immediately. Immediately when Jesus saved us, there are certain changes. As soon as the person dies, they no longer desire the things they used to enjoy. When a person physically dies, maybe he's an alcoholic or whatever, 
When he physically dies, he no longer has a desire to drink alcohol. If they are a drug addict, when they physically die, they no longer have a desire to do drugs. You see, if they use language they shouldn't use, when they die physically, they have no longer a desire to speak like that any longer. You see, death brings with it certain limitations, and it brings changes that makes us different than we've been before. And that's what happened when we died to sin and came alive to Christ. We no longer have those desires. And you know, am I telling you that you'll never be tempted again? No, I'm not. But yet and still, remember what Jesus said? He said that we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ and that we have the very same power we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us that rose him from the dead. And we, we have the same power and the same ability to conquer sin. So let me tell you something that a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy when I say this. But when you sin as a Christian, it is not because you had to. It was because you chose to. You don't have to sin. You know, you hear these people say, well, I'm just a, a, a sinner that's saved by grace, and, and I still have struggles, and I still sin from time to time. You're excusing yourself. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you have been empowered, that you are a new creature, that you are alive to Christ. And when you do not follow the will of God and allow the Spirit of God to empower you to be what you are called to be, it's because that's what you choose, not because you have to be that way. We make choices, even as Christians, and so often we make choices to sin. You see, C.S. Lewis says this, the one who did the most for this world are the ones who thought most of this kingdom, not the kingdom to come. You see, so often we have our minds set on this kingdom and what we want in this kingdom and what we want to accomplish in this kingdom. And there's nothing wrong with that. God wants us to enjoy this world. He created it for us. He wants us to do good in this world. But yet and still, everything that we do should be doing it for the next kingdom so that we can lay, lay those trophies down at the feet of Christ when we stand before him. You see, that same is true for so many Christians. When we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, we need to understand that he died for us and that we are now dead in him and that we were resurrected alive in Christ. You see, I know that the old nature still lives within you and it still struggles within you. That old nature is going to try to keep overcoming that new nature. But you know what? There's a story of this man who had two dogs and they were fighting dogs. And, and one time this dog would win the fight and one time this dog would win the fight. And you know what the secret was? The one who won was the one that he fed. And you've got to feed on the word of God and allow the spirit of God to be in your life and control so that you can have the power to win the fight. 
Because if not, if you are in the flesh, feeding the flesh, the flesh will win every time, even as a Christian. And so we've got to be feeding our spirit and feeding it the truth of the Word of God. There is a new man living in these physical bodies, and he is dead to sin. And so we don't need to be yielding to that temptation and to that sin, but we need to be yielding to the Word of God, reading the Word of God. You remember what Ramah meant last week when Jesus was being tempted to turn the stones into bread? And, and Jesus said to Satan that, that we are to live by every word of God and the, the, the uh, Greek word there is rhema, which means every particular word. You know, all of us have our pet verses that we like to hold on to and, and, and quote. But we need to be looking at and studying and knowing and understanding the whole word of God, not just a couple of verses that we can use as a crutch. You see... In other words, God isn't going to do it for you. Then you've got to do it yourself. Notice with me in Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. Notice what it says here. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but up under what? Grace. And so God gives you the grace and the power and the ability to overcome temptation, to overcome sin, not to yield to that. And so often we yield to it because, let's be real honest, we like it. If we're really honest, we like it. And so we've got to get to the point that we give everything to God that is not pleasing to him, even the things sometimes we like to hold on to because we like you see, God puts the response, the responsibility on our shoulders. It is for us to live for him each and every day. It is not that he makes us robots and we do what he tells us to do. It is that we do what he tells us to do because we love him. Because of all that he has done for us. Because we care for him. Because we want to bring glory and honor to him. Because he is that faithful God that has saved us. But second of all, if a dead man is going to live a new life, then they must accept the reality of their potential. That they have a potential that they don't realize. Notice with me in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 6. Uh, do you not know that... All of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into his death. Now, I want you to understand something here. Verse 3 tells us that when we received Jesus, we were baptized into him. So, as a result... We were baptized into his death. That is not referring to water baptism here, but the baptism of the Spirit. Notice with me in 1 Corinthians, and then I'll explain what I mean by that. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. It says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. 
whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit, which is what? The Holy Spirit. Notice verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. So the body of Christ is all Christians together. And we were baptized into the Spirit of God. And so we become part of the body of Christ, and now we function as a part of the, part of the body of Christ. And if you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, it talks about that some people are feet, and some people are legs, and some people are ears, and some people are eyes. And, you know, God gifts all of us differently, and he made us differently to function within that body. And if you are not doing your part, then you are not helping the body be effective. And so we are to be busy doing what God has created us to do and be within the body of Christ. What Paul is telling us is that when we get saved, we were placed into the body of Christ to function the way we're supposed to. Not just to do whatever you want to do, but to function the way you're supposed to. Notice with me, in the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, In Colossians chapter 3, in verses 3 and 4, it says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then we also will be revealed with him in glory. And so, I mean, we are living here now trying to bring glory and honor to him. But one day we're going to be revealed to the Father in glory as the body of Christ, children of God, people that he died for. Notice with me in the book of Ephesians for just a second. In Ephesians in chapter 2. In Ephesians in chapter 2 in verses 4 and 5, he says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his grace, but his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He made us alive together in who? Christ. We are alive together in Christ, and we are supposed to live as Christ would live, not live the way we want to live. Not do what we want to do. Not make decisions based upon the flesh. But in Christ we are to live. You see, we are placed there by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power that enables us to be what Christ wants us to be. Paul goes on to tell us that when we were placed in Jesus, we were placed into his death. Very literally, when Jesus died on the cross, we were carried back some 2,000 years. When we accepted Jesus Christ, we were carried back some 2,000 years, and we died on the cross with him. We died to ourselves. We surrendered ourselves to God. Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus came to surrender to the will of God. And he, his, God's will was for him to die on the cross so that when we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior, 
then we die on the cross with him, and we are resurrected. When he resurrected on the third day, we were resurrected as well. Literally speaking, not, I don't think I've gone crazy that we've gone back in time, but I'm saying literally speaking, we were resurrected as well, the same way Jesus was. Jesus died for us. He resurrected for us so that we could die to ourselves and be resurrected as new creatures in Christ. Being what God has called us to be, doing what God has called us to do. That is why we have the victory over sin in our lives because Jesus won victory over death and sin and the grave. And we won victory through Jesus Christ over death and sin and the grave. You see, the child of God is dead to sin. There is no reason we have to sin any longer. There's no reason we can't live for God and bring glory to God and live for him on a daily basis and accomplish his will the same way Jesus did. We are joined as with Jesus. Everything that he had at his disposal is the same things that we have at our disposal. We just don't use them. And we don't walk close enough to God to know what they are and how to use them. And we don't stay in his word enough to know what his word actually says. But also, there's one other fact that we must really understand if we're going to walk with Christ on a daily basis. We must accept the reality of our potential. You see, Paul reverts to a thrilling truth here. Notice in 4b. In verse 4b, he says, Through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. Through the glory of the Father, that we too may walk in the glory of the Father. You see, are we walking in the glory of the Father? Are we walking in a way that's pleasing to Him on a daily basis? You see, Paul revealed a thr that thrill thrilling fact of the matter is that we can walk in a way that's pleasing to God each and every day. Not only did we die with Jesus on the cross, but when he rose, then we rose with him as well. You see, it, it is clear that we are participants in everything that Jesus did as Christians. When Jesus died, we died. When Jesus rose from the dead, we rose from the dead. Literally speaking, as we become Christians, we die to our old self and we were resurrected as new creatures in Christ with the very power and the Holy Spirit of God that can help us be what God has called us to be. When he died on the cross, we died for, he was dying for our sins. However, when he died on the cross, we died with him. And when he rose, we rose with him into new life. You see, just as we were in Adam when he sinned in the garden, so all of us became sinners. We were born as sinners. 
And so when we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, all Jesus did for us becomes part of our lives. Part of who we are now as new creatures in Christ. You see, just as we participated in death, so too we participated in his new life. And we need to be participating in that each and every day, living that new life out. You see, in John chapter 3, in verse 3 and in verse 7, Jesus tells Nicodemus that he needs to be what? Born again. Nicodemus thought what? How can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? He couldn't understand that. But Jesus wasn't talking about that. Jesus was talking about being born again through Jesus Christ. Becoming a whole new creature in Christ. Not who you, who you are now, but who you will be as you become part of the family of God. You see, if you look in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 5, it begins to tell you who we were. And in verse 1, it talks about the fact that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And that we were wicked and evil people and we couldn't do anything about it. But verse 4 says what? But God. That turned everything around. But God. But God came and died for us and made it possible for us to have new life in him through his grace and through his mercy. You see, because he died, we are dead in our sin. Because he lives, we are now alive in our family of God that God has saved and given all things to them. That they are joint heirs with Christ and that everything Christ has available to him, we have available to us. You see, since this is true, the believer should therefore walk in a manner that is consistent with Christ. Notice with me in Ephesians one more time. In Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 7, notice he says, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. With who? With those that's in the world. Those that are living in sin. Verse 8, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I love verse 9 because he says, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And the implication there is, and doing it. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord and doing it. You see, we have received a new nature. We have received that nature that is of Christ. And we are new creatures in Christ. We have been made new creatures. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, what does it say? Those in Christ have been made new. And all that they were is gone. 
and now all things have become new. You see, that's what God did in a twinkling of an eye in our lives when we accepted Jesus Christ. You see, we are new men and women. Turn with me to the book of Colossians in chapter 1. In Colossians in chapter 1, in verses 9 and 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, you have now ceased to pray for... That's not right. I just admit <laughs> Colossians 1, 9 and 10. I must have wrote down the wrong verse. Well, yeah, okay. No, I didn't. We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask, and you may be filled with the knowledge and of the will and all the spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in the manner worthy of the Lord. To please him in what? All respects. To please him in all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of him. You are to be increasing in the knowledge of him. You are to be bearing fruit in all your works. You are to become more and more like him each and every day. You see, it is that truth that we need to understand. It is that truth that we need to apply to our life each and every day. What Paul is saying here, that we are new creatures. Now let's live like new creatures. Let's be like new creatures. Let's don't live in the flesh. When the world looks at us, what do they really see? As long as you are alive in the world... There will be a warfare going on in your body. I want you to understand that. I don't want you to leave here thinking, well, you know, God's enabled me and empowered me, and I'm going to be, you know, the best Christian ever now. And I hope that you will be. But what I'm saying is there's going to be a battle going on. You know, as God is trying to to move you forward and to make you more Christ-like, guess what Satan is doing? He's sending everything he can against you to tempt you, to convict you, to cause you to be what the world is, not what God is. And folks, I'm here to tell you, the only way that you're going to be able to win that battle is that you surrender everything to God. And that you allow yourself to stay in prayer and that you allow yourself to stay in his word. God has empowered us But yet and still, he expects us to do our part as well. And when we trust in him and surrender to him and allow ourselves to to live like him, we still are going to make mistakes from time to time. But yet and still, we can be a whole different person. We can be the people that God has called us to be more Christ-like each and every day. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. Walk 
by the power of the Spirit, and you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. Folks, I'm here to tell you that God wants you to walk by the Spirit of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, why did he give you the Holy Spirit if we didn't need it? You can come on, AJ. Why did he give you that spirit if we don't need it? We need it desperately. And so, so often, even though the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, it controls not hardly any of us. The Bible says in Ephesians that we are to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. What does that mean? It means that we surrender everything to its control. And when we take some of that control back, we need to allow it to be back in control again because that's when we are filled with the Spirit of God, when it is in control of our lives. Folks, as you are looking at a transition, excuse me, in the life of this church, um, as you are looking for a new pastor and, and you've got one um, possibly um, down the road, as you look at that, make sure that you as a church is ready to be what God has called you to be. You're praying for that pastor to come and lead you and guide you. Are you willing to follow? Are you willing to be what God wants you to be? Folks, I, I, I appreciate you as a church, and I, I, I really believe that you guys love the Lord and are called. But you know what Paul said? Paul said, excel still more. Still give more and more of yourself to Christ and allow him to do great and mighty things in your midst in and through you. I'm going to pray in just a second and I'm going to give you the opportunity. If you need to uh, examine yourself, maybe you need to look and see, am, am I really living for God? Am I really surrendered to Him? Am I really allowing God to use me the way He wants to use me? If if so, that's great. But if not, maybe you need to come and rededicate yourself and say, God, I just need you to fill me more and to use me more and for me to surrender more. Maybe you're here and you're lost and you don't even know Jesus. He's here ready to save you. All you got to do is ask. And maybe you're here and you say, God, I really don't understand all that he talked about this morning and I'm confused. Then come and talk to AJ or Tim or Mike or myself or somebody so that you can be what God has called you to be. That's the most important thing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And during this time, when he plays, if you need to come to the altar, I don't know if y'all do that in this church or not, but if you need to come to the altar or if you just need to pray there where you are, then I pray that you will just be obedient as the Spirit of God moves you. Father, as we come to you, we are so thankful for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Father, I pray that you will just minister as only you can here today and that your perfect will will be accomplished.
God, we pray that you will just touch hearts. Father, help people to understand their need for you, but also their need to allow you as Christians to control their whole lives, to be filled with the Spirit, and to serve you in a mighty way. And God, will give you the praise and the honor and glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will take just a few minutes just to to continue to pray, continue to seek God. Uh, If you need to make a move, you do that. Whatever you need to do in these next few moments, if you will just leave here differently, maybe than you came. Thank you for being here today. I pray that as you leave, that you will leave understanding that you're representing God in all that you do and say and think. 